Hi, this is Prophet Terry. Come experience the new you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Hallelujah. Lata makasama heseye. Mm-hmm. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Hallelujah. Uh, somebody help me die. Somebody help me die. I want to see Jesus. Somebody help me die. If you don't die to self, you will never see the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And John says he must increase and I must decrease. Uh, help me die, somebody help me die, somebody help me die. I realize that statement aggravates a lot of people when I say, help me die. Help me die, you know. I don't know, maybe my enemies like, like the statement, but at least... Most people around me don't like the statement. And then they start to think if, I, you know, they should join in the, um, in the thought of help me die. We have paranoia about that. But unless we die to self, we're not going to see the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Some people will say, boy, I feel like death warmed over. I don't know what that means. I, but I've heard people say, I feel like death warm over. I feel dead inside, uh, you know. But when people say, I feel dead inside, they're not really talking about death or being dead. When they say they feel dead inside, listen, you can't be dead and feel. Oh, and they say, well, I, I, I mean, I don't have no feelings. You have feelings or you wouldn't be complaining. See, the truth is you're miserable. And the reason you're miserable is because you won't die. Mm -hmm. So when somebody says, I, I, I feel dead inside, what they mean is there's something I want to live for, but I'm not getting what I live for. So I feel dead because I don't get what I want. That's what they mean. So it's, it's really kind of nasty when people say, I'm feeling dead, because basically it means they're not getting what they want. God is not bowing down to them and giving them the things that they want in life. Because when you die to self, glory, hallelujah. Pain all gone. Glory, hallelujah. The outlook of life is all bright once you die to self. So... Help me die, because I want to see Jesus. All our problems are wrapped up in the fact that we won't die. We have many opportunities to die, but we don't die. The reason it's so painful in our life is we're fighting to live the life that we should be giving up. See, the awesome thing about Jesus dying on the cross, he was the first one to die. He outdied the other two. Says it's time. See? So it's not dying that causes you pain. It's the fight to live in this world in its selfishness and its, its desires and all of these things. 
Help me die. Hallelujah. I want to talk for a few moments about hell. Hallelujah. Glory. Matthew 8, 12. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside. Now, pertaining to this particular scripture is when the centurion... Uh, told the Lord that he had a servant that was, uh, that was paralyzed and in torment. And Jesus says, I'll go with you and heal him. And the centurion says, you don't have to just give the word because I don't deserve you to come into my house. And Jesus complimented him and said, I have not seen such great faith. And he says, people will come from the east and the west and the south and the north and they will sit down at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, one of the things you will realize in Scripture that hell is defined in a, two different ways. Many times it's defined by fire. But it's also defined by darkness to throw this man out into the darkness where there's weeping of teeth. I mean, gnashing of teeth and, and there's weeping. And in some places it would say where the worms never die, where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you have a few depiction of hell um, in the Bible that speaks of darkness. And then you have some that speaks of fire. This is not a uh, contradiction. It can still be dark and fiery, you know. It can be burning. So we realize they have different descriptions. And then, you know, we mustn't make a, in our theological uh, description, we must not say these are two different times. These are not two different times. It is the same time. I remember very early in my ministry, the Lord let me sit at the gates of hell one time is the worst feeling I ever had in my life is just total darkness and I could I could look up on the uh, up on a hill and I could see heaven up there and I could see the lights but I was shut out and the ter most terriblest feeling of being shut out was that I would never be allowed to go in that is the worst feeling and in in many ways that's fire all by itself you know, I, I think the thing we must understand about hell is um, many years ago, I saw a minister who was persecuted because he was talking about hell and he was talking about this, that there's, there's hell fire is hotter than regular fire. And of course, we was in an old church setting, and, and boy, he disrupted everybody. And he was an older gentleman that was preaching this, or it was a Bible study. And, um, and everybody was acting up because they thought he was saying it wasn't real fire. But you know, there's only so much that fire can do. Only so much fire can do. Jesus' comparison to hell was Gethsemane, which was a garbage dump, where it was always smelling, where there was always rotting animals, where there was always worms. So he compared hell to that place. Or he compared the, the suffering of the afterlife to that place. Which is the most painful? 
Is it fire and darkness or is it regrets? What will burn forever? What will burn forever? Is it really fire and darkness? I understand fire. But are we talking about a literal fire? I've heard preachers, they're not really sure, but they, they say, well, we're going to be given new bodies and then we're going to be thrown in the fire. But how long would they last in a fire? It says where the fire never goes out. Uh, where the darkness is so dark. Uh, where there's gnashing of teeth. The greatest pain of all is regret. The Bible warns not to store up wrath for yourself. Now, here's the thing. This is the way we always depict the judgment. This is the way we depict heaven and hell and the judgment. That you stand before God, God decides whether or not if he likes you or not based upon what kind of person you have been. Or if you've accepted his son, da-da-da, so-so. So we have totally put the judgment up on that perspective. But Jesus says that we will judge the people of the world and we shall judge angels. See, we are far removed when we think about the judgment. When we think about the judgment, we're just thinking about, okay, we think about all this weeping and going on, Lord, please let me in. Lord, I'm sorry, please let me in. And so we think that the only problem between heaven and hell, the only uh, um, decision between heaven and hell is God. And sometimes we even depict Christ as the, one, the nice aspect of God and that God is not very merciful, but because of his son, which is an error, because, you know... Who's the nicest, me or my word? You know, they're one and the same. Um, so we see the judgment in that light. We don't realize that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Do you realize in this life you can have so much regret, you will have no compassion and no forgiveness for yourself? Now, all preachers would agree to this. You know, you must make that decision. You must make it right in this life, not in the next life. What if hell... What if hell in the next life or after this life, what if hell is the same hell that's in this life? It's just that your eyes have been open to all the nastiness and the regrets that you have in life. What if it's no different? What if it's the same thing? What if it is what it is? The Bible says, blast me against the Son. A blast me against the Son will be forgiven, but blast me against the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven. Not in this age, nor in the age to come. That means not in this life, nor in the life to come. So in this life, we would primarily say you have to accept Christ. But there's a little bit more than accepting Christ, you know, because we know that there's that judgment where many will come and say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your names and we prophesied in your name. So, you know, that sounds to me like, you know, they kind of accepted Christ, doesn't it? 
So we think that that's the only thing that's 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 required there. Um, but God's forgiveness requires that that we forgive everyone and that we forgive our own selves and that we try to make amends the best we can with what little time we have to make amends in. The reality is what happens on this life is what you're facing on the next life. And anybody that thinks that they can commit suicide and go to the next life and it's going to feel better, oh no. The only difference between this life and the next life, next life you can't do nothing about it. It's final. It's final. Now I realize something. I've experienced this a, a couple of times in my life, I'm sure you have too, where you go into this deep sleep and you're somewhere way back in the past trying to deal with some things and everything's kind of crazy. Maybe you get lost in there. You just, you know, you're trying to fix things. You know, I realize you can get lost in your own soul. Your soul can be lost, you know. And you're just welling down in that. And the only thing that can snap you out of it is Jesus. Mm. Mm. Kind of like Alzheimer's or, or anything like that. You inside yourself. Uh, and what if the eternity of hell is just dwelling down inside yourself? Can never forgive yourself for all the things. You, you try your best to fix things, but you just face to face with all the ugliness that you've ever done in life. Hmm? I have a feeling that fire is more worse. And I have a feeling that's, that's that aspect of you that can't enter that city, you know. Sometimes we want to put all the judgment on God. Well, it's the Lord that he, he said I wasn't good enough. What if judgment... I mean, we know the Lord is in control, complete control, and we know Jesus is the Savior of the world, and we know He's the one that can save us. But what if salvation is not simply a choice that, okay, Jesus said, okay, I'm going to talk to the Father, and so He'll let you in. What if the reality of who you've been in this life is so crystal clear that you can't even accept salvation? What if salvation is not, not a choice? You know, in this life, we often see the courtroom much like we would see heaven. And we're before the judge, and, and we know we did wickedness, but we hope to get off or get free or get a whole lot of leniency. What if every knee bowing and every tongue confessing, what if? What if your regrets and your own condemnation won't let you be saved? Now, in a court of law, some bad, bad people can come before the court hoping to get off, but their eyes ain't been opened yet. They haven't seen the ugliness and the pain that they've caused in life. But on the other side, we shall be known, even as we are known. Hmm? What if it's not so much about the Lord showing you favor. What if it's more about did you accept 
Christ in this life. Because blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this age nor in the age to come. And what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? It's not a few choice curse words in a time of uh, uh, anger or frustration. It's a constant refusing not to accept Christ. And when you accept Christ, you have to forgive those, you know, that have done you wrong because there's going to be people burning in hell in that torment just because they wouldn't forgive somebody. Because if we're not forgiven, we will not be forgiven. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. So whether you need to forgive somebody or whether it's just all the things that you have done in this life is just so nasty and you just see them and you just don't have the heart anymore to think you deserve any mercy whatsoever. Uh, now that says that the Lord is a bigger Savior than what you ever thought Him to be because He saves you from yourself. So when we preach the Lord saves us from hell, see, we think that if we don't tally up just right, then bad news for us, we're going to hell. But what if we are the, what is that, the, um, what's that side of the court that's against you? The, what is it? The prosecutor. What if you're your own prosecutor? Hmm? What if, what if hell doesn't have anything to do with you meeting such criterias that God would let you into heaven? What if it has to do with you? What if it's all about you? So Jesus has died on the cross so you can do a few good things so you can get into heaven? Or did he come to save your soul? From who? The devil. And who's the devil? But the master of your flesh. Huh? Oh, no, you can do so much wickedness in this life, and it will catch up to you. I don't care who you are. You can act bad, but it's going to catch up to you. But the Lord has been trying to catch up to you for years. But one day, you're going to sink down in your soul. It's going to be darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Everybody know what gnashing of teeth is? See, we, we misunderstand what hell really is because the Bible says that hell is present now. Oh, yes, there's the hell afterwards. We're not denying that. But listen, when you, when you live this life and you get on the other side and like the rich man and Lazarus, you're not just going, well, you got to go this way, you got to go this No, you already going to be there. You already going to be there. Hmm? Abraham said to the rich man, you know, you lived in pleasure all your life and you didn't care about nobody else. And there's nothing I can do to help you because there's a chasm between me and you. Uh, see, do you, you think it's down to God choosing, but it, it's God saving you from you, from all the regrets in your life. And, and what is sin? Sin is just selfishness. It's the things we do to please ourselves. 
It says the pleasures of sin for a moment, but the wages is for eternity. I know the Bible says, you know, the wages of sin is death, but um, I believe that's for eternity. Sin is for a moment. The payment is for eternity. Yes, that's like buying a house full of furniture at courts, you know. You get to enjoy it today, but you're still going to be making payments when the things tear up, you know. So you, you, you're facing all these regrets in life. You're just sinking down inside yourself and you're unsavable. And blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is when the Lord comes and he tries to say, hey, listen, you don't want to go down this road. Let me help you. If you take my hand, I'll lead you up out of this. Mm. When, when the Bible talks about, and the book of Revelation talks about, you know, they came out of the great tribulation. What tribulation? The tribulation we cause ourselves. And they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Huh? You, you, didn't, you didn't come out and, and fulfill a few little requirements that God wants you to fulfill, you know, give a little something to the poor, do this and this. Okay, now you can go to heaven because you did what I wanted you to do. Oh, no, 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 no. Washing your, your, washing your robes means to wash your life, your soul, that you got dirty yourself. See, it's, it's not about, and that's the whole thing, you know, the Old Testament kind of hinged around the Ten Commandments, and if we if we try to fulfill these commandments here, then we'll make it into heaven. But see, the judgment is a whole lot more than that, you know. It's all about motive. And so... This scripture here, which is quite amazing, it says, this, and the subjects of the kingdom. That means the saved. The subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside. Because the day will come, you know. When you see Abraham, there's other scriptures, there's many, there's nine particular ones that apply to this same subject of, of gnashing of teeth. Uh, you'll see Abraham... Uh, uh, Isaac and Jacob, and you'll, you'll see them, and, and you'll realize you're shut out. But let's make it a little bit more personal. You're going to see people that tried to help you. Uh, you're going to see family. We always ask the question, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to be happy in heaven because, well, the, the Bible says he washes away the, all our tears. But how am I going to feel in heaven when I see my loved ones in hell, right? Me, I'm going to turn and look the other way because I know my God gave them a chance. But let's, let's go the other way around. How are you going to feel when you're in hell? And you, and you see your family up there. And you see your church people up there. And you see the people in the church that tried to help you. And it says nothing impure can enter that senate that city but it says that the gates are open because there is no night there is no day huh there's no night it's just all day it does not need the moon or the sun that city because hmm? God is its light the lamb is its stand right so the gates remain open all day because there is no night but it says nothing impure can enter in you're feeling so shame you can't go. As is like some of us could probably feel what we've done something to our family and we're too shameful to go back home. We're too shameful to call. 
Maybe you'd be too shameful to go into heaven. Maybe that is the judgment. I really, you know, you know, the Bible is, is certainly true, but sometimes we must understand, even in the book of Revelation, Jesus says that stars are not really stars, you know, that they're angels. And so we understand things. Even in the book of Revelation, the water is not really water, but it's, it's nations. So we must understand all those things um, when, it, when it comes to, to interpretation. It says Jesus is going to come back on a, on a white horse and the armies of heaven is going to be following him. I really don't think Jesus needs a horse to ride on. But if he comes on the horse, all right. But I really don't think he needs a horse to ride on. I think that's the terminology to fit the time in which that the book of Revelation was given. So I think the point is there about the end time. But we must understand this, this, this judgment, you know, that, that's coming. Is it, is it really just God deciding whether or not if he likes you or maybe you create your own hell? Maybe you create your own wrath and you can't enter into heaven. And it says that books are open. I, I really can't imagine, you know, that on that great day of judgment, all of us standing in line all over all the generations of generations of generations. First thing is, it says that with the great white throne, I saw the dead standing before God, the dead great and small. The earth and sky had fled from his presence. There was no place for them and that they was judged. And then the sea gave up its dead and death and hell gave up its dead. But I can't see all of these big long lines and you waiting for books to be open. I think it's just the point that's there. I'm not sure there's any books in heaven. I think the point is there that everything is written down, that everything is there, everything is known. There's nothing hidden so I don't think it's just, okay, all right, it's, it's you know, Christie's time, it's Nicola's time, it's, it's Percival's time, and, you know, um, it's Tamika's time, it's Ishmael's time. I don't think it's just that, that concept and, you know, you know, you know hmm, we could die again before we get through all them lines, right? But maybe it just talks about a great revealing that everything's going to be exposed. We're going to fully know ourselves and we're going to fully know others. And here it is, you've been so nasty to people. Hmm? Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's that husband that's uh, always cheated on the wife or the wife has always cheated on the husband and you see them in heaven. And what if the condemnation on you and the guilt and the regret on you is so bad, you just can't enter. You're in your own hell. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, it says, and the dogs are outside. All the sexual immoral, they're in the lake of burning sulfur, which is the second death. Hmm. And so we see that lake of burning sulfur, you know, where the worms never die. So we think about fire, but is it just really, is it just really you've been a bad boy or a bad girl and God decides to put you in the fire and you just tormented and you burning and forever and ever and God is just not having any kind of mercy on you. He's not listening to you. Or is that fire the fire you made yourself? Is that your own wrath that's burning? Uh, 
And don't we know that when we get so angry, we're burning inside? We even say we're burning inside. Uh, how much we play with hell's fire in this life, with unforgiveness, we're burning inside. With anger, we want to get even. And how much we even burn ourselves when we did something wrong. And we just can't bring ourselves to repent or go and try to make amends for that. But the fire just burns and burns and burns. And this is at one stage in your life. But you know, if you don't accept Jesus and if you don't have to accept the, the, the help of the Holy Spirit and if you just keep blaspheming against it and denying the truth and suppressing the truth, what would become of that nasty feeling that you're experiencing? You know, it says about Babylon that she will cons be consumed with fire. And if you go back in the Old Testament, it says that a fire came out from her and consumed her. What if hell is your inner being just consuming you for the nastiness that you have been and for the terrible person that you have been in this life? Hmm. See, we think well, all we got to do is call on the name of Jesus. But there's many that said, Lord, Lord. But they was not allowed in. We know the five foolish virgins, they was not allowed in. We know those that prophesied and did deliverance, they was not allowed in. Jesus says, I don't know you. So I understand that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but maybe there's a little bit more to it than just mentioning his name. Maybe there's more to it. And maybe if you blast me against the Holy Spirit, and that's not using a few choice curse words at a particular time, but that's more about you keep refusing the truth because the Holy Spirit comes with truth to set you free. It comes with the knowledge of Christ that you can change your life and turn your life around. Now granted, it may come like the thief on the cross at the last minute. But what was going on in that other thief's heart? What was going on in his mind that he couldn't accept Jesus when he's right there next to him? What makes you think you're going to accept Christ on the other side? You better accept him on this side while you still can accept him. While their knees will still bend and while you can still have some mercy upon your miserable soul, you should accept him on this side. Because I'm telling you, all of us have enough regret inside of us. That's not a very nice house to live in forever and ever and ever. That's the house that you made. The Bible says that, you know, that we gone to meet the deeds that we have, that we have done. And there was an old gospel hymn that says we've gone to meet the deeds that, that we have done. And so the Bible would confer to that. And if we just keep denying such a wonderful salvation, <clears throat> what hope is there? What hope is there? Because nothing impure is coming into the kingdom. You think the Lord's going to drag your guilty little soul into the kingdom of heaven? It contaminate the whole place. Uh, oh, no. So when you're trying to stand your ground and say, well, the Lord's going to forgive me. He's going to let it slide. Listen, that's not the question, is it? Uh, Now, we know it's the Lord that saves, but the preacher always says, will you accept Jesus tonight? If you die tonight, where are you going? Will you accept Jesus tonight? The plea in this life has always been, will you accept Christ? 
And now that you've heard the truth and you feel his spirit and you know his presence is near and that the word is in the house, will you accept Christ? So you think on the other side you don't have to accept him? Yes, but according to the Bible, it's too late then because you're going to pass through this life to the next life and all you're going to see is the regrets because you're going to know yourself on the other side. You're going to realize all the people you accused, it really wasn't their fault, it was your fault. You're going to realize you're the miserable one. That's what the book's opening up with all the deeds in it. That's what it's all about, you know. It's going to be the truth, you know. I don't know how many excuses you have, but none of them excuses can withstand the fire of truth. On the other side, all your regrets are going to be right there. And though if I, I look at my life, I, if I look at my life uh, personally, if I look at my life, and I think that was the same way when I got saved, and I had no, nothing, no particular uh, sin that I just pondered upon more than all the other sins. I just realized I had lived a selfish life. And so I can only imagine what might be down in somebody's soul. Because I know even at times when you sink away in the soul in the middle of the night, when you go into those deep dreams and it's just miserable, you, you, you're face to face with things that happened in the past and you don't know what you should have done different and it's just nasty and miserableness down in there. And you wake up wishing that you could never go back to that place. Well, that's a little taste of hell right there. It just ain't completed yet. What if you have to live in that place forever? Uh, how long before you let Jesus come into that place? Because in that place, you know, you got to realize, I don't know, maybe I could have done something different. I'm totally not innocent. I wish it turned out different. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe it's their fault. The bottom line, truth gets to decide whose fault it is. And sometimes we're not as innocent as we think. And to dwell in that regret on the other side. So you think you're just going to get on the other side and smile at Jesus and, you know, all is well with your soul? Hello. All better be well with your soul on this side because if you don't have Jesus, if you blast me against the Holy Spirit and you don't receive him now and try to live a better life and try to change your life and try to clean your language up and your actions up, What's going to be on the other side? Because I'm convinced it's not so much about whether or not if God is good on the other side, it's about whether or not if you accept his goodness in this life. Uh, so the thief on the cross, he accepted Christ when he was, Christ was right there beside him. So he accepted Christ and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Somehow another rich man didn't make it up there, but he made it. You know, maybe just that one aspect of accepting Christ. But I'm sure even then, and that is not the final judgment, you know. That's just paradise and hell. That's just the separation until the big judgment day. I'm sure that thief on the cross had a lot of things to think about, even in paradise, about the way he lived his life, who he stole from, you know, how he hurt his mother, how he hurt his father, you know, how he stole from people that uh, trusted him. There's still a whole lot of things up there. The blood's got to cover, you know. Mm. It's not just you. Listen, you've got to come face to face with who you have been. What does it mean? 
I shall wipe away every tear. There should be no more mourning or crying. What do you think mourning and crying is about? You think it's just because there's somebody in hell that you know? Well, maybe you would mourn and cry if you knew you could have helped them and you didn't help them. Maybe you could... Maybe you would cry if you realized that you was the parent that did not bother to carry your children to church and they're down there burning. Maybe I could understand that. But maybe the, the weeping and the crying up there is you could really have done more in this life. And if that's the way it's going to be for the saved, can you imagine what weeping and gnashing of teeth goes on in the other place? See, sometimes we need to wake up. You see that word gnashing? It starts with a G. I remember several years ago, some people laughed at me because I tried to pronounce it with a G sound. And, um, and um, nobody didn't really bother to help me, but I, I tried to pronounce it with a G sound because I didn't know. I don't know. Ah, it is what it is, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I didn't know you were supposed to leave the G off. Nobody never told me that. But I still, it, it was still a bit embarrassing, I suppose. And maybe be a bit embarrassing on the other side just because you don't really understand hell. But hell is what it is. The word is what it is. Nation is spelt with a G. I can't figure it out. Yes. But just because I can't understand it don't mean it's not so. Yes. I thought, how in the world could that be gnashing? Hmm? You know, the English language and other languages are quite peculiar. They have their own rules. Everything has its own rules. And you may have a perspective about hell and a perspective about the afterlife, but that don't mean it's right. Hmm. What if hell is more intensified than you think? What if the fire is not really something that you would strike a match and start? What if each man has his own fire? And what if hell on the other side is the same hell that's on this side just with a brighter light so you can see hmm, the person you've been in this life and how selfish you've been and how inconsiderate you've been hmm. so we want to talk about Cadillacs tonight and, and Lexuses or shall we talk about your soul tonight we can sing, swing, swing low, sweet chariot. Are you sure you're ready to go home? Help me die, help me die. See, when I say help me die, that means I want to die to all my selfishness. I want to die to all the condemnation that's trying to catch up with me. I want to die to all the mistakes it's, that's trying to beat up on me. Uh, do you realize there's a virus inside of you? Do you realize the four horses are inside of you? There's a commerce inside of you? Uh, that past is trying to come after you. It's trying to get restitution for the bad things you've done in life. Uh, so you see that past that's coming after you. Sometimes you could have a weak conscience and that's where you really need Jesus to come and stand in that place. But the truth is, sometimes you deserve the condemnation that's coming after you. 
See, we want to remove ourselves so much from the past. But sometimes the past has a lot of truth in it. Like I said, there could be some weakness. There could be some individuals accusing you of things that you really weren't guilty of. Or you can actually accuse yourself if you have a weak conscience. You can accuse yourself of things that you really shouldn't felt guilty of. But it's the same punishment whether you're guilty or not, at least when you're the judge. But what about the things you are guilty of? That past. You know, the truth is those horses have a right to trample on you. The truth is that condemnation has a right to destroy you. It has a right to make you burn inside. It has a right. Uh, it has a right. Your past has a right to beat up on you. Hmm? Now, I, I made a statement about the weak conscience, and so we're going to realize that part's there. But let's just say it's not a weak conscience. Let's say a lot of your past has a right to come after you. Because you have not been very nice. It has a right. Uh, and without Jesus, the past is going to consume you. And, and usually when that guilt comes, you just keep doing more things to make it worse, just to try to comfort the pain. You're just trying to escape what you deserve. Hmm? The truth is, that's what causes a lot of sin, especially the sin of pleasure. We're just trying to escape what we deserve with more things that we deserve. We're really kind of stupid and ignorant in many ways, you know. I mean, sin is after us right now, so what do we do? We don't lighten up on the sin, we just take more. It's kind of like when you're drinking, you know, you, you're drunk a little bit and you're swerving on the road. What is your remedy for better driving? Drink more. Smoke more. You'll be a better driver. <laughs> Hello, you're going to wake up in hell one day. Whatever that sin is, you're taking pleasure in. Uh and you're going to deserve every bit of it. But did you accept Christ when he tried to rescue you? Is there a place? We like to think that on the other side, we like to put all the blame of the judgment on God. And we like to say, you know, well, the, the Lord didn't let me in. Or the Lord just said, you know, I was too bad to let me in. But what if? What if being lost... What if it's more deprimentary than we thought? What if you can get so lost that Christ can't save you on the other side? Because blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven in this age nor in the age to come. That means there'll be no help in this age and there'll be no help in the age to come. Because see, this is going to be the this is going to be the terrible thing on the other side. The books are going to be open, and your conscience is going to bear witness to it that you deserve everything your past. Your past says you deserve to die, and your conscience is going to bear witness. What's well, going to seal the deal when the book of life is open and you rejected him? It's one thing to reject man; it's another thing to reject God. And you can't say, well, I didn't know it was you. You know it was God. Everybody on the face of the earth know God is real. Don't let nobody deceive you or lie to you. 
they may not they may not know all the terminologies of the theologicalness of of uh, Jesus is Lord or the theology that we can so enjoy uh, being assured of God's love and mercy but everybody knows God the Bible says so so when you say that somebody didn't know God and they never got a chance to know God, you're calling scripture a lie because the Bible says that nobody will have an excuse. Did you accept him in the form that Christ came in? Did you accept him? What if you can get so, you give in, the, the spirit of the Lord comes to try to save your life, save you from you not save you from God save you from you God is love not save you from God save you from you huh? the wrath of God is quite simply it's when you look to see how pure God is and when you look to see those people in heaven and how they tried to do good by you and you didn't do anything to accept you only did things to hurt them. When you see that, that's going to be your condemnation. You can call it the wrath of God, but the, but the book of Revelation says, and the nations was angry, and the, his wrath has come. See, Romans says you're stirring up wrath for the day of judgment. You're not making God angry. You really think a little termite like you could make God angry? There's been worse little termites than you in this world. Oh, no. Uh, your own sin is inflaming you. And the wages of that sin is death, and hell is following very close behind. So you, you're not going to go to the other side and be all at once dragged away and taken to hell. Oh, no, you're going to be in hell before you leave this life. And when you get in the next life, the light is just going to come on. You're going to be the same nasty person, miserable person, condemned person you are in this life, but the light's going to come on and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is who I am. This is who I am. And then I can't get out of myself. You can't get out of yourself. What does that mean? You can't get into paradise. You can't get out of yourself because you wouldn't accept help. The Lord tried to get you out of yourself, out of your selfishness. He tried to get you out of yourself in this life, but you wouldn't accept it. You wouldn't accept him. Oh, no, you're just fine. And notice what the scripture says. It says the subjects of the kingdom. That means church people. Church people that think they're just fine. Church people singing amazing grace. Church people prophesying church people casting out demons and Jesus says I don't know you you did not let me into your life uh, you did not let me into your life you took my name and did witchcraft on yourself through their religiousness you don't know me you don't talk to me you don't know me I don't know you so see the book of the book of the books of life is every little thing you've ever done. You have to give account for every careless word. But the book of life, 
is rejecting and blaspheming against the Holy Spirit when he comes and tries to help you. Tries to tell you to do the right thing. Tries to tell you to quit molesting somebody, quit abusing somebody, quit doing somebody wrong, quit hurting people that love you, quit accusing everybody else and not seeing your own wickedness. Oh no, listen, the judgment is much more intense than deciding who Jesus likes and who he doesn't like. Because John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world. Hmm? But he's going to destroy those that destroyed the earth. Hmm? Why? He's just going to let you... All right. You want me to leave you alone? I'll leave you alone. If you don't want me to show you a way, I won't show you the way. He'll just hand you over to learn the hard way. But when you learn the hard way, and it says they will be given a powerful illusion so that they will believe the lie and be condemned. When you realize how nasty you are, even then will you be able to accept Christ. It's quite a gamble, you know. It's quite a gamble. Without Christ, you're on a losing horse. The commerce of horses, the four horses of commerce, with hell following close, Hmm? you ride on those doing your own thing selfishly reaping your own reward Jesus said I'm coming soon and I will give to each one accordingly to what they have done that doesn't mean he's going to hand you out a paycheck or a bill that just means he's the light your reward you reap what you sow so you're reaping hell if you continue to reject him mm. so on the other side don't think we're just going to blame the whole judgment on God and who he likes and who he doesn't like and God's nice and he's going to save everybody what if you can't even get out of yourself some of you know this. Some of you have done things and you're too ashamed to go back and talk to the person. Hmm? You feel too ashamed to go and tell them the truth. All that regret. If you keep letting that grow and if you keep adding to it, you really think you're going to walk through the gates of heaven? Revelation says, Blessed are those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, that they may enter into the city. Outside are the dogs. Hmm? That have washed their robes. That have accepted Christ. You really think with all that regret and shame, you're just going to walk into the kingdom of heaven? You think it's just going to be a matter of you smiling at Jesus? And showing him a tattoo of a cross on your arm. You think that's going to get you in? Hmm. And then I know some of you, you've been so down. So inside yourself. 
saying you feel dead, but you don't feel dead because dead feels good. Oh no, you're in hell. That's not dead, that's hell. But you've been so down, can't nobody get you out of it. Anybody ever been down and nobody could get you out of it? Huh? Your friends can't get you out of it. Your mama, your daddy can't get you out of it. Sometimes you're so down, your lust can't get you out of it. Not that your lust could ever get you out of it. Uh, uh, can't nobody get you out of it. Sometimes you might even try to read scripture and that can't even get you out of it. Uh, now this is just at some point, at some stage along your life. But can you imagine if you just keep going the way you're going? Will there be any, anything to save? Hmm? Yes. I mean, when the house is totally burnt down, what can you save? Is there anything to save? On the other side, will you just be all fire when you see the truth about yourself? Just all regret, all torment. Huh? We often think, and we would even portray souls in hell that are just crying out to be saved, crying out for Jesus. You know, I think that's an illusion. I think we'd be so condemning ourselves, we can't even cry out to be saved. Because the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that's true, why is there so many people in hell? Hmm. Yeah. Now we saw there that the rich man was able to ask for some water. But the rich man also knew he couldn't go where they was at. He didn't realize you couldn't go back and forth, but there was nothing in him that could get to the place where Abraham was at. He knew he was shut out from there. And so you see some selfishness there of him wanting Lazarus to give him some water. But then Abraham says, you received your good things. See right there, truth come to you. See, Abraham speaking truth to the rich man. You received your good things while you was on earth. Lazarus received his bad things. Now he's been comforting and you're not. And the rich man, and I bet he could quarrel I bet he quarreled many times in his life. That's how he got so rich. Couldn't say another word because truth was there. Uh, then he stopped being so selfish just for a moment to think about his family. Why? Because he didn't do nothing to help his family. He encouraged his family to do evil. So... Wasn't a big conversation. Next thing you know, he's just quiet. Burning there in hell in torment. Hmm. And we think the Lord is just choosing and not choosing. Well, let's think about Jesus on the cross. One thief accepted him, one didn't. And that was an eternal destination. Seems like heaven and hell has a whole lot to do with you. 
if Jesus died on the cross to save you from you? Maybe you should let him save you from you. It's not like we have such splendid records of being such awesome individuals in life. Hmm? Maybe should you let Jesus save you from you? Hmm? Or maybe you, maybe you're going to get it right and be perfect all on your own. Let's just say if you could be good for the rest of your life. You think that goodness is going to cover up all the badness you did? See, here's a statement tonight that you don't want to hear. What if your past is right about you? <laughs> what if your past is right about you? What if the truth be known, your past deserves to catch up with you? Because you certainly wish that other people's past would catch up to them. As you judge, so too shall you be judged. Maybe you deserve everything your past wants to do to you. Maybe you are the low life your past has talked about. When the archangel Michael was disputing about the, the body of Moses, he didn't bring a slanderous accusation against the devil. He just said, the Lord rebukes you. In other words, Michael didn't say, Satan, you're wrong. He just said, the Lord rebukes you. So maybe your past is right about you. How in the church we'd love to say, we would love to say, you know, you know, God's going to save you from your past, you know. And we, we, we'd like to make light of your past. But what if your past is telling the truth? So God going to save you from the truth? Well, in many ways, God does save you from the truth, right? Huh? You ain't going to hell because, because it's not true. Yeah. The Bible, the Old Testament said the person who sins going to hell, they're the ones going to pay for it. So, you know, God does kind of really saves us from the truth, right? So the past really ain't lying. But we want God to beat up on our past like our past is lying about us. That past does kind of come from inside of you, right? Yeah. And we try to deny what the past is telling us. The past is telling us that we've been selfish, but we don't want to hear it. But it's eating us up on the inside. It's giving us high blood pressure. It's giving us low blood pressure. It's giving us too much sugar, too little sugar. It's giving us diabetes. It's giving us all kinds of things. But, you know, you know, but the truth is many times the past is speaking the truth. And you want God to beat up on your past like it's lying. 
But maybe God just needs to save you from the truth. <laughs> yes, everything your past has said about you is complete. In fact, it might be a little nice because you might be blind to a few things. Uh, because there's a such thing as a weak conscience and a seared conscience, so you, your past might be a little uninformed about, you know, how evil you've been, you know. Because the Bible says even if my conscience is, um, is clear, it doesn't mean I'm innocent, so if your past may not know all your evil, but so really God is saving us from the truth, is he not? He's not saving us from a lie. He's saving us from the truth. And sometimes the truth, what people say about us, it's at least 60% truth, you know. So look at here tonight. We've been saved from the truth. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Huh? We've been saved from the truth. Now, sometimes uh, these things in our life, we tried to do our best, and I don't know, we just, we didn't, our best wasn't too best. You know, understand there might be a little mercy, a little forgiveness there, or maybe we did things in ignorance. You know, Paul said, I was ignorant about things, and I, I killed a lot of Christians because I was ignorant. All right, maybe a little leniency about just being ignorant. You know, it could be found, but what if you're trampling the blood of Jesus all over again? Uh, what if you accepted Christ like these subjects? And then you just keep doing your thing. What forgiveness will there be? If you've let Christ come into your life and save you from truth... I know you want to say save you from sin, but ain't that the same thing? If he saved you from sin, he saved you from truth. You deserve to die. And then you ignore such a great salvation and you just, you know, you like the, the sowing of the seeds, you know, the deceitfulness of wealth makes you run after other things. And the next thing you know, you're doing the same thing that you got saved from the last time. If you're doing the thing that you got saved from, I don't think you're saved. Isn't it amazing how we end up doing the things that we got saved from? And somehow or another we think, okay, well, I just, I didn't know how to theologically look at what I used to do, but it, it, it's okay to do it now. Really? If you're convicted then, what makes you think you won't be more convicted tomorrow? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this age or in the age to come. That means if you keep rejecting the truth, uh, and the greatest statement that I've spoken tonight is God is saving us from the truth because we have been selfish and we have done things that's deserving of death things that would keep us out of the kingdom of heaven and just imagine and I don't know about you, but when the past kind of catches up with you, it doesn't usually make you a nicer person. Not unless you repent and accept truth. Uh, you know, sometimes I get aggravated with the gospel because we make it all about God. What I mean by that is like, 
Well, if you don't accept Jesus, if you don't call on his name and go to church, you know, every once a week and you don't put some money in the tithe box, you're going to hell. So it's almost like, you know, if we don't submit to this awesome God, you know, we're doomed. But the reality of the gospel is he's come to save us from ourselves. The reason we go to him is because he's truth. And if we die to ourself and live for him, then we die to the selfishness in our life. And the selfishness in our life is the very thing that's made us do all the things that we will regret. And all the things is going to be so clear on the other side. How much we've lived just for ourselves. And how much we've lied and deceived and done all kinds of things just for us. How we really haven't cared about our family, our mother and father or our new family. How we really haven't cared about our church life or people in church. See, all that truth is going to be there. But will you be able to find a ladder to get out of sight of yourself? When the books of life are open. And then when the book of life is open and you realize you didn't accept Jesus. You didn't accept the Holy Spirit when you come. The Pharisees said to Jesus, you know, it's by Beelzebub he's casting out demons. They didn't say we reject the Holy Spirit, but they rejected the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, be careful. Blasphemy against me will be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit won't be forgiven in this life or in the life to come. See, sometimes blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the workings of the Holy Spirit. Not just using a few choice curse words aimed at the Holy Spirit. But it's rejecting and mocking and making fun of the works of the Holy Spirit. In somebody else's life and especially in your life. The stumbling stones that we put in front of people. Hmm? Hmm? It says the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown out. They're going to see Abraham and Isaac and going to see other church people, but they can't enter in. Uh, or maybe, you know, you think you're a good person. You think you're a good Christian. You know, I've seen several people run away from God and good Christians help them run. But one day you'll see truth. Today you pat yourself on the back for helping people run away from God, but tomorrow you're going to realize that without you they couldn't have run. You provided the gas money. So before you say, I don't have no past I regret or I've made peace with all of it, let's talk about some of your goodness. My conscience is clear, but that does not mean... I am innocent. My conscience could tell me I'm a very good person. I did this for this person. I did that for this person. You know, maybe somebody in church, you found them a job, and when you found them a job, they ran away from God. Maybe they've been better off without the job. Before you go to tooting your good works as if though it's some sort of last trumpet. Oh, 
we shall see clearly everything that we are. Hmm? I'm telling you, the other side, it's not what you think, you know. I'm telling you that fire is not what you think. Just as I'm telling you, according to the English language, gnashing of teeth. Don't start with an N, but with a G. Just because you think something is one way does not mean it's so. You may think, well, I got this word covered. I know how to pronounce this word. It starts with the G, as in God, you know, goat, you know, good. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This message ain't to make you feel bad. Just to tell you, your past might be right. What you going to do when your past is right? And the Lord could come now and save you from your past, even from your present, and especially from your future, because we are who we are. Even if we got saved from our past, without God's intervention, we would probably just repeat the past. You know, we are who we are, and we are destined to repeat the past, like a dog returning to its vomit and a pig to its wallowing in the mud. It is Christ that directs us otherwise. Your past is going to follow you to the other side. And when your past is revealed, I had this strange, I had this strange uh, revelation several years ago. I was in the shower showering. And I heard the Lord say, the great cloud of witnesses are watching you. And the first thing I thought about was my grandmother being up there. (laughs) You know how many people on the other side are watching you right now? Now, those four creatures have eyes all around. Nothing is hidden. But just in case they do miss something, there's a great cloud of witnessing that's watching you. Hmm. So that's why I like three-minute showers. I think you get the point. I'm not making salvation hard. I'm just saying we really need it. God is saving us from truth. He's not saving us from a lie. And God is not saving us from us from him. He's saving us from ourselves. Your past is speaking truth and you know it. Might be a little deviation here and there. 
anything that you think your past is accusing you a little too much of or somebody's accusing you a little too much of, just consider the fact that there's probably a lot of things your past is not convicting you of because you ain't found out that it was wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, children that has been born into a dysfunctional family and they would side with the mother or with the father but later on in life they realized the other one was not so bad or maybe a father didn't come around a child you know the mother and father separated and, and you think the father didn't care nothing about you and down the road you realize the mother wouldn't let him come around and then you also realize the mother was taking money, but she told you, your father never gave you anything. And you had all that hate towards your father. That'll be there with you on the other side. Today, you might feel just in your judgment, but that day we shall be known. Everything shall be known. So even if I haven't convicted you a little bit tonight, what if your righteousness, the Bible says your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees, and they thought they was righteous, you know. See, it's not our place to say that we are wrong or right because he is the judge. In a court of law, you can plead your case, but the judge is going to make the decision. In a court of law, you think you may think you have nothing to worry about. Your lawyer says you have nothing to worry about. Other lawyers say you have nothing to worry about, but evidently the judge says you now have something to worry about. How much more so, heaven? This message is not to make you feel bad. It's just to sober you up. Hopefully, to emphasize the message that we've been ministering the past two or three days, help me die. I want to die to self. I want to die to my self-vindication and my self-righteousness and my just selfishness altogether. Thinking of me only. It's hard to be a good judge when you're partial to you isn't it? Uh, that's the whole problem, isn't it? How many times a day do we fight with our past? We fight with them in our court of law. Within our mind, we fight with them. We fight with our past, but we kind of bias. We kind of side with ourselves. We even take bribes and we take excuses, but the truth is, the past is truth, isn't it? And with such a reputation, I really don't think tomorrow's going to be much better without Jesus. And what got us into all that trouble in the past? What made us steal the cookie? Was it not selfishness? What made us lie? to our mother or our father for the first time, our grandmother. What made us lie? Was it not selfishness? Huh? Why did we steal somebody's girlfriend or boyfriend? Was it not selfishness? 
Why did we thief? Was it not selfishness? Uh, why did we skip school? Was it not selfishness? Why did we lie? Was it not selfishness? If we really cared about somebody else, I don't think we would be doing all those things. Our past bears much witness that we was very selfish. Now, if you don't love Jesus, your past might be burning you a bit right now. Although you might blame me. And maybe you tried tuning out and going to another preacher, but it only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Your past could be burning in you, though. Especially if your pride wants to justify yourself. Best thing to do is say, Lord, you're the judge. He wants to save you from you. And there is no saving you from you if you don't give up self. Jesus died for you, but self's got to burn. Jesus died for you that you could live, but your sin's got to burn. You're wrong, it's going to perish. And you got to let it perish. Jesus died for you that you wouldn't perish with your wrong. Hmm. All the mistakes in your life is going to end up in hell. But you don't have to be with it. And you have to be so deep inside of all your regrets you can't get out. Because many of us right now are in bad health. Not because of what we've eaten. Although we try to eat our way to salvation, but that don't usually work. Uh, eat our way to salvation, drink our way to salvation, but that don't work. We're miserable because we're down inside of ourselves. Sin has weighed our soul down. Our past is caught up with us and we can't get away from it. We want to blame it on everybody else. We want to go back and say mama's the root or daddy's the root, but the Bible says the soul who sinned will perish. Because even if mama and daddy was the root, they might have accepted salvation. And the Lord will wipe the tears from their eyes for what they did to you. But what about you? Because in that place of perishing, the worms never die. What are the worms? Well, some of you might freak out at worms. Some people might cover them in chocolate and eat them. But that's not the worms it's talking about. The worms that never die is those thoughts that you could have so easily have done what was right, but you didn't do it. You almost walked away from sin, but you didn't do it. Mm. There's an old hymn that says, almost persuaded. He was almost ready to walk away from that sin. He was almost ready to give it up, but you didn't. 
There's one that's merciful. He will save you from you. You're not going to meet an angry God. You're going to meet an angry you. A condemn you. A you that is burning so much with condemnation that you're unsavable. A you that's burning so much with contempt. In the book of Revelation, in the bowls of wrath when they receive the mark of the beast, and what is the mark of the beast? It's selfishness. When you care more about you than God or others. And no matter how much their pain, they still curse God. You can be in so much pain that you'll curse God. I've gone to hospitals before and people would be in pain and you'd ask them if you could pray for them and you couldn't even pray for them. They're in so much torment. And I don't think it's all physical pain. They're in so much torment they can't even listen to your prayer, you know. That's bad when you can't receive prayer. Uh, sometimes hell gets you before you get out of the hospital, you know. Sometimes hell has none consumed you before you get to the morgue, let alone before you wake up in the other side. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't rebel against it. He's come to save you from you. He hasn't come to make you do what he wants you to do. The only thing God wants you to do is not condemn yourself to an eternal fire. He hasn't come to control your life and manipulate you and make you do what he wants you to do. He's come to save you from you. Huh? What can a little ant like you do for God? He hasn't come that you would serve him. How are you going to serve him? The only way you serve him, and it's a shame that we have to be tricked into being nice. And it's somewhat true that I am afraid we might have to pay for it on the other side. The gospel has a lot of trickery to it. Uh, because often we hear about being nice to other people so that we'll get more blessings in our life. And being nice to more people so we, our anointing will be stronger. And for us, the anointing means more popularity and more money. And it's a shame that the gospel has to trick us to get us to be nice to each other. But I'm telling you the truth on the other side. That lie of the gospel will not stand. If you did not do it for Jesus, your name will not appear in the book of life. If you did it for your own name, and so you could toot your own horn. Again, may I point out, the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside. The subjects of the kingdom. The centurion sought Jesus 
on behalf of his servant, not on behalf of his wife, not on behalf of his child, not on behalf of his father, but on behalf of his servant, because his servant was a good person and because he cared for his servant. And Jesus said, I never saw such faith, but the subjects will be thrown out. It's a shame what we've made of the gospel. We talk about helping people. We talk about giving. But all of it's just so we can have more favor towards God and more money in our pocket at the end of the day. It's terrible what we've made of the gospel. Hmm. What we hear has not really been said. The gnashing of teeth starts with a G. Hmm. Who figures? Hmm. It's a shame that the gospel has reached such a place. I guess it's always been there. And sometimes we scare people so much of hell that we run out and try to do a few good things. I don't think that counts. Because on the other side, your past is going to speak up just as Job's past spoke up. Hmm? And said that Job would curse God if he took away all his nice things. And I'm fearful to think how close Job might have got to cursing God. He at least said God didn't know what he was talking about. And he said to God, if, if I did wrong, then show me what I did wrong. Almost saying I know as much as you. I, didn't, I ain't done nothing wrong. What did I do wrong? That you would bring all this pain on me. But we like to push all that blame off on some renaissance devil. Well, maybe Job's three friends and maybe Job's past had something to do with it too. When your past shows up and says, you ain't doing that for the right reason. You ain't in church for the right reason. You're not praying for people for the right reason. If we ever need a savior, it's now. If you ever need a savior, it's now. This message ain't to make you feel bad, far from it. This message make you feel good. Uh, it's just to sober you up. Sometimes it feel good to be sober, you know. Uh, I don't know if you've ever known much about drinking, but sometimes, you know, you get in that intoxicated place and you just can't get your head straight, you know. It's nice to sober up, you know. Mm. And it's nice to die to self. Somebody help me die. Did I help you die? Yes. I hope I help you die. If I helped you die, you should be feeling good, you know. Uh, unless your pride just can't handle the fact that, that you don't need it anymore. Uh, hello. You prideful devil. I bet you never heard that before. Your past is speaking truth. 
And the Lord says, you want me to save you from your past, but you don't want to acknowledge that the past is speaking truth? <laughs> well, let me say it the old church way. Repent of your sins. <laughs> but repent of your sins is simply to say, your past is speaking the truth. And I can't save you from your past if you don't acknowledge it was your truth. It has a reason to demand your life. It has a reason, yes, to take away your good fortune. It has a reason to make you sick. It has a reason to make you hurt. Your past has access to torment you because the wages of the past is the pain of today. What we sow. But there is one that will save you. And he died to save you, not from God. Died to save you from yourself. Uh, and even though you've grumbled against God and complained against him, that's what it means. Jesus dying on the cross, what it means is you just didn't want to receive him. But he hung around anyway. And he died for you. He died because you didn't want to receive the truth. So he took your insults. But today is a different day. It's time to receive him. Mm. But if you keep crucifying him, there's no hope in the next life, you know. Because you'll just be given over to yourself. In fact, if you reject him, you'll be given over to yourself in this life. You see, sometimes when people run away from God, it's like you want to curse those people. Those people are already cursed. You don't have to. There's nothing you could do to make their life any worse. Yeah. Because when you run away from God, you run away from truth. And you're handed over to the thing that's been wanting you. When God takes his hand off of you, that's his way of saying the past can have you. God is holding your past back. Your past could do a whole lot more harm to you today, but God's been holding it back, hoping that you would accept him. But if you don't want to accept him, he'll just let your past catch up with you. And you'll be so down inside of regrets. There's no salvation. Because one day it'll all be exposed. I believe in this life before it's over with. Your life is exposed to you. You may not put it on the six o'clock news, but before you die in this life, you will see truth about yourself. And you will see the times that you rejected Christ. Will you accept him like a thief on a cross? I hope so. But one thief couldn't. He couldn't bring himself. Huh? Can you imagine? The rich man died and was in hell and he looked up and saw Lazarus. Can you imagine these two thieves on the cross? I don't know if they was buddies or partners. Can you imagine? Just the next day. Just that day. One of those thieves was in paradise. And one of those thieves was in hell. I don't know if they stole together. They died together. But on the other side, one was in paradise. 
probably very thankful and probably crying a lot for the life that he lived and might have been a young man could have done a whole lot more in his life and he didn't do it but he was thankful for that salvation because see in paradise there's one that stands by your side you have to look at your past and realize your past wasn't exactly lying but that thief in hell he rejected Christ he has nobody to stand by his side. He has to face his past all by himself. And there is no salvation. There is no Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is no table. Hmm. Your past ain't lying. But there's one that will come and stand by your side. And your past can't harm you no more. Hmm. So here's a question. Your past, was you such an angel? And what about those things that you may even think you did good and you didn't do good? Huh? You covered for somebody. Maybe you covered for your big sister or your little brother when they our big brother, when they snuck out of the house at night, you told mama that they, you didn't tell mama. You thought you did a good thing. Maybe you covered from somebody else. Uh, maybe you covered for somebody and said somebody spent the night at your house, but they was off with a boy. Uh, it's amazing the things that we think we're good at, but we're not really so good at. Oh, hallelujah. To face such a judgment all by ourselves. The Lord has come to save us from the truth. Hallelujah. Now taste my voice tonight. My voice got sugar and honey in it. Not condemnation. Taste my voice tonight. There's no fire in my voice. There's no fire in my voice to make you feel bad. Yeah. But if you are feeling bad, probably means you need to take his hand. And maybe you need to quit calling your past a lie. Maybe there's a lot of truth to it. Maybe there's some things in your past you don't even know about yet, you know. Because uh, this is for sure. I am convinced that when we die in this life, there's going to be things that we did in this life that we didn't realize was wrong. And there's going to be things in this life that right now we can't see. Things I wish I had done and things I wish I had not done. Because I don't know what things I might have done that hurt somebody. I don't know what things I might have thought was bad but actually could have been good. I'm just so glad that I don't have to face myself or my past on the other side. That I'm going to be with Jesus and he's got it all covered. Because I know, huh, even though I don't have a whole lot of things that I'm, that I'm just aware of in my past, I know it is not perfect by any means, but I don't want to, I don't think I could walk through heaven's gate with any of that. Hmm. Only one way to walk through heaven's gates, and that's, that's through the blood of the Lamb. 
Yes. So you can deny truth, but to deny truth is to deny God. To deny the truth of your past is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Who do you think is trying to tell you the truth? And you're sitting there quarreling with yourself. You, can, you can't quarrel with yourself. You're quarreling and trying to call your past a lie, but it's the Holy Spirit. You blast me against the Spirit because you don't want to accept the truth. Don't speak against the truth. Don't refuse the truth. The past might be right, but there's one that forgives you. Maybe some of it's a weak conscience, but maybe some of it's a seared conscience. Only God knows the truth. And the truth will come out. And on the other side, you will see it so clear. You will see it at the end of this life. But at the end of this life, like a thief on a cross, you two nailed up to go make it right with somebody. How blessed you are right now. Because if you hear my voice right now, it's possible you could call somebody and tell them you're sorry. Or it's possible you could make things right. Yes. I'm not telling you to go say sorry to an old lover. You know, maybe you just need to leave them dead. Maybe you just need to repent for your part in it. Yes. Be careful you don't fall in no traps. But maybe there's something you could do about it. You could certainly ask for forgiveness. And then it's always nice just to accept Christ because who knows what foolishness you've done that you didn't even know you did. Yes, what I wanted to do I did not do and what I didn't want to do uh, that's what I did and, and sometimes you do things that's what I wanted to do but when you find out what you did yeah uh, you might have gave somebody some money but they just went and got drunk and raped somebody so you, you don't know what you've done in this life when you didn't listen to truth Accept his love. Accept the fact that your past is mostly right and you need to be saved from it. You really don't want to live in eternity with that. I think that would be hell all by itself. Yes, and especially if there's been a lot of things that we've done. You want to be reminded for that all through eternity? I don't think you'll ever get into heaven with that kind of memory. May the Lord wash away all your tears. I love you. Taste my voice. If there's fire in your house, I didn't put it there. Make peace with God. Yeah. If there's a bad feeling in your heart, I did not put it there. If there's guilt or condemnation, I did not put it there. I'm just telling you, your past is not so wrong. Maybe you need to accept it. To accept it is to accept God. And if you accept God, He will come and comfort you right there in that place. And if you hold His hand, He'll keep you from making further mistakes. I love you, and the love of God is in your house tonight. And even though facing your past sometimes make you angry, just imagine what it would be like on the other side without a friend like Jesus. Uh, 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 that past just won't let you go. Uh, it's like an old lover that never always finds your new phone number. 
Yeah. But there's one that can separate you from your past that's speaking the truth. The Lord is with you tonight, and He loves you. Don't worry about your bills. God will take care of your bills. The biggest thing right now is to accept Him. He has come to save you from yourself. And sometimes those bills and things that we always want to say somebody else is cursing us, sometimes it's our own past taking licks at us. And the reason that our past can beat up on us is because we have not accepted Christ. Accept Him, and He will draw the line. Accept Him, and Michael will rebuke Satan. Hmm? And no more penalties. Yes, that right there <coughs> will get your bills paid. That right there will get you a job tomorrow. Jesus loves you very much. He just wants to save you from you. In Jesus' awesome name. Amen.